With the start of 2023, California Governor Gavin Newsom is set to enact some crazy new laws. Joe Biden spent an incredible part of 2022 on vacation. Plus, Kevin McCarthy fights to become the next Speaker of the House. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with California Governor Gavin Newsom, who is welcoming in the new year with a new set of laws that are just too outrageous to believe. And yet, they're real. Yes, 2023 in California will be marked by sanctuary city status for transgender kids, penalties for straying from approved COVID talking points, the end of racist jaywalking, and more. Here's the story. Here are the five most radical new laws, plus one that is currently on hold in the courts, taking place on New Year's Day in the Golden State, with little effective opposition from a shrinking Republican legislative minority. SB 107, Sanctuary State for Transgender Kids. This law, signed by Governor Gavin Newsom, Democrat, in September, protects the use of drugs or surgery to provide so-called gender-affirming care to children from other states where the use of such treatments is restricted or criminalized. It prohibits doctors from releasing information to other states and prohibits California courts interfering in child custody over such treatments. So you can see where this is going. It's California, a state that is actively trying to drive all people away who have some common sense. Here's more. AB 2098, COVID misinformation. This law signed in September requires California's medical licensing boards to take disciplinary action against doctors who are involved with the dissemination of misinformation or disinformation related to COVID-19. AB 2147, decriminalizing jaywalking because of racism. This law called the Freedom to Walk Act presumes that jaywalking is a racist crime because it is supposedly enforced unevenly by the nation's most left-wing state in communities of color where people supposedly cannot afford to pay the fines. That's right, police will not be stopping people for jaywalking because that would be racist. Then there's SB 1375, which will allow nurses to perform certain abortions without doctors. And how about SB 357, which will decriminalize loitering in public for the purpose of committing prostitution, even while prostitution continues to be a crime. This law is focused on removing the social stigma of sex work. You can't make this up. What a state. Outrageous income and business taxes, a backwards energy policy, needles, human excrement, and litter on the streets, and now these new laws on top of all of that. Welcome to 2023 in California. All right, next let's talk about Joe Biden's vacations. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, Hit that subscribe button. Make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, let's talk about Joe Biden, because if you recall from the 2020 campaign, Biden spent most of his time not campaigning. He just hid in his basement. Now as president, he's again spending as much time as possible hiding. Biden is on pace to set the record for the most time spent away from the White House and the scrutiny of reporters by retreating to his homes in Delaware, Camp David, or numerous vacation destinations. 
Here's the story. President Joe Biden spent nearly 40% of 2022 in Delaware, Camp David, and vacation destinations. A Daily Caller analysis of Biden's 2022 public schedule shows that the president spent 92 days or partial days at one of his Delaware properties and 32 days or partial days at Camp David. Biden also vacationed seven days in South Carolina, five days in Nantucket, and five days in the U.S. Virgin Islands, bringing his getaway days to a total of 141 for the full calendar year. Now, sure, other presidents take trips, and the need to get out of the pressure cooker of the White House in Washington, D.C. is understandable. George W. Bush would go to his Texas ranch. Obama had Martha's Vineyard. And, of course, Trump would travel to Mar-a-Lago. But Biden is taking vacationing to a whole new level. Biden's numbers, however, are on track to outpace every president, CNN reported, using data compiled by former CBS White House correspondent Mark Nuller. If Biden is reelected and keeps up the pace of his trips to Delaware, his vacation time would far eclipse those of Obama, Bush, and Reagan, Nuller told the outlet. The White House has certainly been on the defensive about Biden's trips, the most notable coming just recently when Biden took off to St. Croix in the Virgin Islands while the country was being blasted by winter storms. Of course, for White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre, it's not a big deal at all. The times that the president has gone to Delaware, uh, not including, and we were very clear that when he went to South Carolina uh, in August and uh, Rehoboth, he was going to go spend time with his family, which every president does. That is not unusual. That is not uncommon uh, to do. And the president has a right to spend time with his family, just like every other American across the country. And so that was that piece of uh, what what occurred in, in August. Uh, as it relates to trips that he's made uh, to Delaware, uh, look, the way we see that, is the president could be president anywhere. The president can be president anywhere, sure. But it is sure interesting that former President Trump's trips were scrutinized relentlessly and Joe Biden gets a pass. All right, next let's talk about House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy and his fight to become the next Speaker of the House. The vote will be held on Tuesday, and so the politicking over the last few days has been intense. McCarthy has been meeting with the GOP conference and individual House members to negotiate items that will bring these members on board with his campaign. Here's McCarthy from this weekend giving an update on negotiations and how they've been going. Well, I think we all come together. We made great progress today. We've been working on the rules. People want to see a different rule package. Open it back up. We've done from 72 hours, a church style to be able to investigate the FBI and others. You've watched this uh, new ability to bring more votes, to, uh, uh, bills onto the floor in an open process. I think this is all healthy. You watched, uh, you know, Morgan Griffith, who really cares about the rules. He came out and supporting me today based upon the progress that we've made along here. So I think everyone will get there at the end of the day. One of the biggest points of contention was the rule put in place by Nancy Pelosi in the last session of Congress, which made it much more difficult to replace the Speaker of the House. McCarthy wants to continue that rule, but appears willing to concede in order to get votes lined up to become Speaker. However, not everyone has been sold on this latest flurry of trade-offs and campaign promises. Here's the story. Nine House Republicans on the fence about Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's speakership bid signaled Sunday that the California Republicans' attempt to mollify critics were insufficient and that a radical departure from the status quo was needed. The lawmakers, led by Representative Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, and Chip Roy of Texas, 
voice their displeasure in a public letter ahead of Tuesday's speaker vote. The lawmakers wrote that while Mr. McCarthy had offered concessions on House rules in an effort to address longstanding and deep dysfunction, the move came too late. In addition to the nine who signed on to this letter sent to McCarthy are the five House members who have publicly stated that they will not vote for McCarthy under any circumstances. On the flip side of the campaign, there is a solid number of House members who say that Kevin McCarthy is the only person they'll vote for, which means that Tuesday's vote could lead to some serious deal-making. So what do you think? Will Kevin McCarthy be the next Speaker of the House? Let me know in the comments. All right, next let's talk about Mitch McConnell because he's slated to participate in a big event to kick off the new year. Is the event to highlight McConnell's new commitment to the conservative cause? Of course not. Instead, McConnell will be participating in an event with Joe Biden to celebrate a bridge replacement project that is part of the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that was passed last year over the objections of the vast majority of conservatives and Republicans in general. McConnell, John Cornyn, and other establishment Republicans in the Senate helped give Biden a political win when the bill was absolutely terrible. McConnell is set to host Joe Biden in Kentucky on Wednesday at a bipartisan celebration of Biden's $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill passed in 2021 with help from McConnell. NBC News was first to report on the McConnell-Biden event, which will highlight a $1.6 billion bridge replacement project funded by the infrastructure bill to replace the Brett Spence Bridge connecting Ohio and Kentucky. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, Republican, and Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir, Democrat, are also expected to attend the event. Gag. McConnell is one of those politicians that makes you wonder what the Republican voters in Kentucky were thinking. Not only does he vote for bills that just feed the swamp, but he also directed funds during the campaign cycle away from conservatives and toward liberals like Republican Lisa Murkowski. And don't forget, McConnell also bragged about supporting the massive omnibus spending bill that just made it through Congress. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. So admittedly, I'm pretty proud of the fact that with a Democratic president, a Democratic House, and a Democratic Senate, we were able to achieve, through this omnibus spending bill, essentially all of our priorities. As far as the most important issue from the defense side of things, how about protecting our southern border? I think that is much, much more important than sending billions more to Ukraine. But that's Mitch McConnell. All right, next I have an update on actor, producer, and author Kirk Cameron in his faith-based children's book, As You Grow. Now, if you've been following the story, Cameron and his publisher, Brave Books, has been reaching out to libraries across the country to schedule a story hour event where Cameron could read his book to children. You know, just like you see with drag queen story hours, that seem to be taking public libraries by storm. Well, Cameron was rejected by every single library. Cameron took his case to Willing Media and we started publicizing what's going on. And the libraries started to feel the pressure. One library in Indiana allowed Cameron to have a story hour followed by another in New York. The results of the Indiana event 
were just overwhelming. That's right. We asked for a story hour, just like others have done story hours. And these libraries uh, said they were not interested and that their communities were not interested. And it wasn't until I published a public letter asking them to reconsider and then mentioning the fact that uh, we have constitutional rights. In fact, I have my copy of the Constitution right here that I will assert in court that they reversed course. And, uh, you know, yesterday just told the whole story in Indianapolis. The community showed up in record numbers. More people showed up for this book reading than any other event in the 137-year history of the library. Cameron was preparing to do another story hour at the Scarsdale Library in New York, and he contrasted how that library actually did sponsor a drag queen event, while Cameron's event gets no mention at all. And, and they are sponsoring and paying for and promoting Drag Queen Story Hours for children. But we don't even get a mention on the website calendar. If you go to the website, you won't see it. Uh, they do yep. tell you that there's a Play-Doh play date going on today, but in Scarsdale, we will be there and we expect record numbers. Yeah, I'm on the scarsdalelibrary.org website right now and it actually is featuring the Drag Queen Story Hour. It happened back in June of 2022. It's still on their website. <laughs> the um, demographic is 18 to 24 month olds. I'm not making this up. This is a true battle, but it is one that must be fought. 2,500 people attended the Indiana reading. And yet, if conservatives didn't fight for the opportunity, the event would have never happened. Great job by Kirk Cameron and his entire team. And I hope the moment continues. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, Hit that subscribe button. Make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, today's show's one sheet is available to Patreon supporters using the link in the description. The one sheet gives you the links to all the videos and stories used on today's show so you can dive even deeper into each issue. And with that, our next show will be Wednesday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.